0: Before we get started, I want to tell you about a new company that's supporting the High Adventure Podcast. We all get aches and pains, and those of us in high-energy activities could sometimes use some relief. Well, that relief is here in the form of CBD products and NX Empire. NX Empire has the widest array of products available today, from oils and sprays and gummies to energy and focus capsules. NX Empire also has bath bombs, skincare products, and cosmetics. And so your best friends are not left out, NX Empire has a line of pet tinctures and treats. NX Empire is committed to nutritional quality and uncompromising sourcing standards. The CBD products are all lab tested to ensure quality and potency. And NX Empire products are all natural, and each product that ships from the warehouse maintains a lab certificate of analysis. So do yourself and the High Adventure Podcast a favor and go to nxempire.com and enter the code HIGHADVENTURE at checkout and save 15% on all your products. It was late afternoon and my partner and I were midway up a rock face in Yosemite. I was on the lead and had run it out a bit, meaning that I didn't have any piece of equipment or protection in that section that I was climbing. I'd gotten to a small overhang with a very thin crack and placed a number one stopper in the crack. Now, a number one stopper is about the size of the nail on your little finger. And a stopper is a small aluminum wedge that fits inside the crack and kind of wedges itself in there. These little things are not really strong enough to hold a fall, but they will hold your body weight. So I was able to clip my nylon ladder to this very thin wire that's attached to this micro nut. So now I can stand on something while I try to maneuver myself over this little overhang. I'm hanging a long way above my last piece of protection, which means if this thing pulls, I'm going to fall to the large ledge below that my partner in belayer is sunning himself on while I inch my way up this granite beast. As I slowly step on the nylon ladder and put my full weight on the micro piece, I'm feeling more confident as I look at how fully engaged this little piece of aluminum actually is. I begin looking around for my next move when I hear a rumble and feel a swaying motion. My partner yells up to me, Hang on, we're having an earthquake. And I turn to see a huge rock fall in the side of a mountain across the valley sliding violently down this steep incline and on into the valley. And I'm wondering how many people are being swept away and lost in this erupting dust cloud in this huge rock fall. I turn back and hold on and stare at my little fingernail-sized piece of metal. I had confidence in the metal, but not sure if the movement might cause the crack to open at all. If it opened a millimeter my piece would have pulled, and I would not be telling you this story. I'm sure most of you have experienced an earthquake, but have you ever been doing something that you required that the earth remain still the only place i can think of that could be worse than on the side of the mountain would be deep in a cave my name is jeff argin and this is the high adventure podcast Hello and welcome to the High Adventure Podcast, where we tell stories of the high and wild. Season 1 was all about the 1977 pot plane crash, and Season 2 told the story of Maurice Wilson's 1934 journey to fly to and land on the slopes of Mount Everest and go ahead and walk on to the top, but believe me, it was a little more complicated than that. In Season 3, we're mixing things up a bit. In Trip Report, we read first-hand accounts of adventures by both famous and not-so-famous adventurers that are on the prowl and searching the world for a challenge. In this episode, we're offering the finale of Devil's Domain, the story of Sam Candle, an insurance investigator and protagonist of my screenplay, Devil's Domain. I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous three episodes to get yourself up to speed on this story. As always, you can follow us on social media at the High Adventure Podcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at High Adventure Podcast, on Facebook at The High Adventure Podcast, and on Instagram at High Adventure Podcast. We, as always, post these episodes on both our YouTube and Vimeo channels, and both these channels are found under our company name of Accidental Productions. I'd like to tell you about a few things right now that are happening that we're really excited about. First, we dropped our first audiobook. It's called Everest Alone, Maurice Wilson's 1934 Journey to Be the First to Stand on the Summit. If that story sounds familiar, it should. We've gone back into the episodes of Season 2 and added a new foreword and an epilogue and edited and remastered the episodes for an audiobook presentation. The episodes are broken into chapters and the story runs about five hours long. Cost of the new audiobook is five bucks. That's it less than a cup of specialty coffee that will give you maybe 10 minutes of enjoyment. We're giving you over five hours of content for five bucks. You can order your digital download from our website, accidentalproductions.net. At the top of the homepage, you'll find the book title link that uh, takes you straight to the store. And now, Devil's Domain, an original screenplay, part four. It's nighttime on the cave floor, but it's hard to tell day from night because of the lack of light. Sam and Lenny eat from tin cans amidst abandoned supplies in the makeshift camp. Lenny says, So say we find Diego and, with him, Diablo Grande. What then? Sam says, We find a way out of here. Can't go back the way we came and there's no way we're going to go out that porthole. It may be a while then says Lenny. Got some place you have to be? Not right away. Sam says you have someone waiting for you? Lenny says been a while since someone waited for me. Why? says Sam. Why is no one waiting? Lenny says. Yeah, says Sam. You have no family besides your father, I mean? I've got the adopted brother. When my father's business partner died we took in his son. You get along. He raped me when I was sixteen. What about your father? What about him, says Lenny. What did he do? My father raised him like his own. In his eyes, he could do no wrong. I love my father. He was a good man. He was blind at times. So that's when you left? Lenny nods. Sam says, your mother let it all happen? No, Lenny says. She died when I was five. Sam says, you remember her? Lenny says, I remember the way she smelled. She liked purple and she smelled like lavender. She used to read to me. I, I remember her stories, but I can't remember her voice or what it sounded like. Lenny continues, I really could use a shower. Sam points to the lake. How about a bath? Have to do, Lenny says. Later, Lenny's swimming in the lake, the underwater light silhouetting her nude body. Lenny calling to Sam. Gonna join me? Sam dives in. Underwater, the strange rock formations create surreal images. Sam and Lenny surface together. Lenny says, it's beautiful. Sam, looking at Lenny. Yeah. Lenny smiles. I told you. Sam says, what? Lenny says, that we'd make love. That's not how you put it, Sam says. Lenny says, maybe not. They kiss. More happens, but we're going to leave all of that up to your imagination. Outside in the jungle during the day, the passenger, previously abandoned by the small car, plods carefully through the jungle. Still too far away to be identified, he bends down and works on the ground. Then he disappears into the ground. Inside the cave, the light of a headlamp spins in the dark as it twirls out of control on the end of the rope. Outside in the jungle, a pair of crudely made sandals step up to the rope that disappears into the hole. A machete from nowhere cuts the rope with one hack. Inside the cave, a huge splash in the middle of the lake breaks the silence as Sam and Lenny rest on the beach. Oscar's head breaks the surface of the lake, coughing and choking. What the fuck? Oscar? Oscar says. (coughs) Yeah. Sam dives in to help Oscar. What are you doing here? Where's tech? No way to reach you, says Oscar. What? says Sam. Oscar says. (laughs) Bad news. (laughs) Text dead. How? Fall. Overhanging wall on weeping buttress. Sam says he's done that route a thousand times. Oscar. One mistake. Shit happens. Shit. Oscar asks, Carlo? Sam says, No. Carlo didn't know he was with me on this job. And we're okay with Carlo. Fuck. Oscar. Nice to see you too. Nothing personal, Oscar, Sam says, but we need someone who can climb. Oscar says, I can still climb. Looking at the steep walls, Sam says, out of here, not out of a chair. Lenny says, Sam, he's here. Let's use him. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, Oscar. What do we need to do? Asks Oscar. We need to do a dive. We recon the tunnel, but we don't know what's down deep. What are we looking for? Says Oscar. Sam says, a way out? And a plane. A plane, says Oscar. Yeah, a plane. It's Carlos, I think. Another guy in the plane brought the thing down, but he couldn't get out before the crash. We're here for Carlos, guy? No, says Sam, our guide. Is he Carlos, guy? Not important. And what else, Oscar says. Something stinks out loud, Sam. You're telling me I came to Mexico and... The part of Mexico without a frickin' margarita in sight to dig a dead Mexican out of a hole? Diablo Grande's in the plane. It's a myth, says Oscar. I saw it, said Sam. Oscar says, you ever heard of Wallstead Rainier? Sam says, Rainier's, the Diamond Company. Who hasn't? Oscar says, yeah, yeah. Sam says, we, we found some of his stuff. Oscar says, no people? No, says Sam. Oscar pointing to the lake. Is it out here? Sam says, no, but the entrance to the next chamber is. Let's do it, says Oscar. Sam, with renewed confidence, says, you're up for a dive? Oscar says, no, but for $200 million, I think I can get up for a dive. Let's get moving, says Sam. They sift through the rummaged scuba gear and pull out the usable pieces. A noise from beyond the light grabs their attention. The silhouettes of several men are coming closer. It's the shooter and four of his men. Guns are drawn. Shooter says, Don't mind us. Just go ahead and do what you were doing. I didn't mean to interrupt. Then he moves closer. I believe you have something that belongs to me. Sam reaches into his pocket and tosses the glass eye to the shooter. The shooter says, Thank you. Holding up the eye, he says, It is looking at you. He lifts his patch and pops in the eye. Another earthquake rocks the cave. Rocks fall all around them and into the lake. The tunnel from where the shooter and his men had come from becomes sealed off. Sam says, how'd you get in here? The shooter says, looking at the rock fall, Doesn't matter now. Now let's say we go ahead and take that swim, huh? Sam, Oscar, and one of the policemen that came with the shooter are wearing scuba gear. The policeman carries a spear gun and a few spears on his leg. The shooter loosely points his gun at Lenny. The divers enter the water. The shooter says, We're going to start here in the lake. If we find something, bring it back. If you fuck around, I'll open her up like a can. Or like your wife. Sam goes after shooter. You son of a bitch. The policeman steps in front of Sam. The shooter says, Save your breath. Sam says, When this is done, I'm going to kill you. shooter says, We'll see. Now get in the fucking water. Sam, pointing at the police diver. Does he know what he's doing? Shooter says, he's here to watch you. I'm sure he knows how to do that. Sam says, cave diving is not like diving in the ocean. A lot of things can go wrong down there. Shooter says, a lot of things are going to go wrong up here if you don't get into that fucking water. They go under. On land, another policeman lets out a spool of string that's tied to the lead diver. Underwater, the divers enter a surreal world of exotic colored caverns and crystal clear water. They travel through small holes and move slowly through razor sharp rocks that could cut the air hose at the slightest touch. In another chamber, the divers climb out of the water and onto a small beach. They pull off their masks. Sam says, We'll take a break here. Oscar's tired, but okay. The policeman, however, is scared and exhausted. Sam says, How are your levels? Oscar says, I can go maybe another 15 minutes. Sam says to the policeman, how about you? The police diver nods. Sam says, what? Yes, you can go on. You need a rest. What? What? What is the nodding? The police diver points the spear gun toward the water. The police diver, swim. Sam says, okay, we'll go another five minutes and then we'll head back. Re-gear and come back here for a new start point. Underwater, Sam leads Oscar through a small hole that leads to another chamber. As they enter the new chamber, another earthquake rumbles through the cave. The shooter, Lenny, and the policeman look around as rocks fall from the ceiling on into the lake. The sound of rock slides can be heard in the distance. As the police diver makes his way through a small hole, another earthquake hits and it narrows the opening. He's pinned in the hole. As he struggles to get free, his airline becomes cut. Oscar's in the lead, but doesn't see what's happening. Sam sees the police diver beginning to panic, and so he returns to pull him free. In the struggle, the police diver grabs Sam's regulator and tries to use it. Silk churns up through the once clear water. It's now very murky. Sam tries to help, but he ends up fighting the panicking diver for his own life. Sam finally pulls away, but the policeman's in bad shape. Bubbles are escaping from his hose, and his eyes are beginning to roll back as the regulator drops from his mouth. Surreal images fill Sam's head as though he's on a roller coaster ride, flying over the jungle, seeing everything he's been looking for. The curandero looking up at him as he flies over, the curandero raising and opening his arms to Sam as though ready to embrace his spirit. Back at the lake, the policeman reeling out the string realizes it's just floating on the surface. Confused, he starts pulling it back in. Lenny says, "What's happening? What's the matter?" Shooter says. Pull it in. Somebody better be on the end of that, or you're in trouble, sweetheart. The mood is tense. The end of the line has been cut. It's frayed as if it were sawed. Lenny says, it could be dead. Shooter says, an hour later makes no difference. Lenny says, you'll never get out of here without him. Shooter says, looking at the guy holding the string, how much of it went out. The policeman holding the string says, 1,400 feet, Shooter says. Quarter of a mile. Underwater, Sam is struggling to open his eyes in the murky water. He sees the curandero floating like Peter Pan in front of him, bright-eyed and wearing traditional clothes. Doesn't appear to be wet. Sam is pushed through the water to a sandbar. As he struggles to get onto the small beach, he pulls off his mask and fights to breathe. Oscar surfaces. You okay? Yeah, Sam says. Oscar says, where's the cop? Sam says, stuck. Oscar goes back down. Sam struggles to catch his breath. Oscar resurfaces, pulling up the body of the police diver. Pushing the body onto the sandbar, Oscar climbs the ground. Oscar pulls up the string that will allow them to find their way back. It's broken. Sam says, what now? Oscar says, you tell me. Sam says, we can't leave her. Oscar says, who the fuck are we here for? Carlo? Your guide? This Diablo Grande? I'm sorry to tell you, Sam, we gotta get the fuck out of here. This cave's changing shape. Sam says, we can't leave her. Oscar says, she's probably dead already. There's no use in you dying, too. Look, who knows if we can even find our way back? And if we go on, we're probably going to drown. Sam says, I'm not leaving her. Sam takes the spear gun from the dead cop and goes underwater. Outside of a Mexican strip club during the day, a limo pulls up in front of the club. Secretary Wells steps out. Rafael greets him. Rafael, Mr. Secretary, welcome. I'm Rafael, your host for the evening. Senor Minister is waiting. Secretary Wells says, What better place for a meeting on such sacred property? Raphael says, I understand you are a man with an appreciation for the finer things. They enter the club. Inside the crowded strip club, there are several girls dancing at once on the stage. Raphael and Wells push through the crowd. Wells says, Quite a place here. Raphael says, This is for the how shall I say it, the average customer. We have something a little different planned for you this evening. Well, says, well, I'm ready. They move through the crowd and out the back door. In the back room of the strip club, they enter a room of deafening crowd noise. At the center of the room is a small ring surrounded by raised bleachers. In the ring, two fighting cocks are killing each other. More than a hundred guys yell and scream and wave money. Wells and the group move through to another room. In the next back room of this strip club, the room is covered in mirrors, and a lone woman dances with her reflection in the mirror. There's a couple of high-back chairs in the center of the room. Raphael pointing to the chair. For your comfort, Signor. Wells sitting down. Thank you for your hospitality, Raphael. Signor Minister will join you shortly. I understand Mr. Secretary wants to discuss... Whatla? Secretary Wells says, I'm sure that can wait. Raphael says, Of course. May I get you a drink? A waitress brings drinks. The dancer moves across the room to Wells and dances around him. He loves it. She climbs into his lap. He closes his eyes and leans his head back. The club owner pulls a knife and cuts Wells' throat. His eyes shoot open as he gasps for breath, but the dancer doesn't stop. She puts a finger in his wound and licks the blood from her long nail. Anthony comes in and spits on Wells' bleeding dead body. Back in the cave underwater, Sam and Oscar body surf down a huge water chute. They crash into the crystal clear waters of a new chamber. The walls of the chamber are covered with raw diamonds. The tail of the plane rises just above the water line. They dive down into the plane, but Diego and the pilot are gone. Only the passenger is adrift in the water, still connected to the parachute caught in the cockpit chair. The chute has the name Rainier stenciled across it. Sam pulls out a case and motions to Oscar. They surface. Coming to the surface, they grab the tail section of the plane. The walls sparkle with diamonds. Oscar says, holy shit, is this what I think it is? Sam Diamonds I think so Oscar it's like they grow them in here and it and in the case Sam says Diablo Grande 75 pound diamond Oscar says what about your guy not down there must have washed away in the flood Oscar says of course now nah, we're really fucking lost Sam says Let's get out of the water. They swim to the shore and climb onto the beach. Remnants of equipment are everywhere, all with the Rainier logo and name. They take off their scuba gear. Sam says, There's Rainier stuff all over these caves. Why would they leave all this stuff? Another earthquake hits. It's stronger than the previous ones. That's why, Oscar says, referring to the earthquake. These tanks are about empty. Sam says, mine too. We got to get out of here. Maybe we can find something here. They look through the equipment. Oscar says, what's this? Holding up a small tank. Looks like, uh, uh, what the fuck does this look like? Sam says, a rebreather. Oscar says, a what? A rebreather? Sam says, it scrubs your exhaled carbon dioxide, essentially creating fresh oxygen. You rebreathe the same air over and over. Oscar says, it's not very big. Sam says, you're reusing the same air. You, you don't need much. Oscar says, how do you know all of this? Sam says, you remember that guy named Tanzig? I, I think his first name was Robert. He used to do all the deep cave stuff. He was everywhere. He tried to map this place once and lost half his team. Oscar says, I remember. Sam says, he and Tech went to MIT together. Tech built one of these things and gave it to Tanzig to test. This stuff's not that old then, says Oscar. Was Tech still working with him? Not for years. They had a fight over a patent, I think. Tech beat him pretty bad. Got him kicked out of MIT and He ended up doing six months in jail for it. A voice off-screen says, And there was no need for it. Oscar and Sam turn to see a thin, pale man approaching. He wears the traditional dress of a curandero. Sam says, Tanzig? Oscar says, It's Tanzig. Tanzig says, Tech broke three of my ribs. My forearm. Fractured my skull because he wanted to go climbing. You see, Tech was a man of many passions and strong convictions, but he had a total lack of commitment to a prolonged task. Sam says, You stole the patent. Oh, Sammy. Were you listening? We were days from finishing this prototype. The tests were done. It was ready. Tech told me he was leaving for Yosemite or some such place. It was going to be Half Dome this time. I believe you were the one who organized the climb. I told him we needed another couple days to finish this thing up. I threatened him with ownership of the rebreather. He didn't care about ownership or money. He wanted to go climbing. I stood in front of the door to stop him, and he nearly beat me to death. He was my best friend. Sam says, he's dead, you know. Tanzik says, I'm truly sorry to hear that. Climbing? Oscar says, Yeah. Tanzig says, We should all be so lucky to die doing something we would kill for. Sam says, It was you who pulled me out of the sump. Tanzig says, Guilty. Sam says, Then you disappeared. Tanzig says, I thought you were here for Rainier. I wanted you out, but not dead. Oscar's looking around and says, What's going on down here? Tanzik says, Science, survival, greed. Pick two. You working for Rainier? says Oscar. I was, says Tanzik. He sponsored my last expedition. He told me he was interested in the geology and the possibility of diamonds, says Sam. Yes, but. I just wanted to map the cave, to be the first. I didn't care how it happened. You see, tech was the brains, but I was the ego. So you built the infrastructure, said Sam. No, said Tanzik. We found the first diamond room and reported back as we were contracted to. He sent engineers down here and built up this system. When the native workers started dying, they became afraid of the curandero spell, so they left. Rainier decided he would hold back. If this place opened, the diamond market would flood and diamonds would be everywhere. They'd be worthless worldwide. Oscar says, But you're still here. Tanzik says, I came to map the place. My rebreathers were still working, but my reputation above ground was, well, that of a thief. So, I stayed." What about the costume? Tanzik says, I've become a legend, not as Tanzig, but as a Curandero spirit that wanders the caves. As the ghost of the caves, can you tell me why you're here? Long story, says Sam. I've got time, says Tanzig. But we don't, says Sam. Tanzig says, The plane? Partly, says Sam. So what do we do, says Oscar? Sam says, Will you help us get out of here? Tanzig says, Leaving for good? Sam says, yeah, then I'll help, says Tanzik, Good, I'm going back for Lenny. I'll take the string. You find a way out of here, and we'll catch up. Sam puts on the rebreather and goes into the water. Oscar, you sure that thing works? It works, Tanzik says. Back on the beach next to the lake, the shooter, Lenny, and two policemen recover from the last quake. The policeman says, we don't stay much longer. The shooter says, you'll stay as long as I tell you to stay. Lenny looks over the water seeping through the rock pile at the end of the tunnel. This is not good. The curandero has cursed us. Shut up, says the shooter. The policeman whispers into the ear of another cop who nods in agreement. What the fuck's going on? You keep your mouth shut or no one's getting out of here. Rocks begin to fall as another major earthquake hits. The big room is really shaking now. Underwater, rocks are falling all around Sam as he carefully moves through the cave. There's nothing he can do as he disappears into the murkiness of the churned up water. Back on the beach next to the lake, the policeman starts to run, but the shooter blasts him in the back. The policeman falls at Lenny's feet. The shooter blasts the other policeman before he can even draw his gun. Lenny picks up the spear gun from the fallen policeman and points it at the shooter. He turns and points his gun at her. She pulls the trigger and the spear slices through his arm, knocking him down. The shooter screams. The rock pile breaks loose and a wall of water comes at them. Lenny runs to the jet ski, fires it up, and takes off. The shooter does the same. There's a long sequence of Lenny and the shooter jet skiing through waterways. Lenny follows the path that she and Sam have explored. The shooter follows, firing at her where he can. The surging water follows them like a lion after its prey. The water's getting closer and closer. Further away, Sam surfaces into a large room. There's light at the top of the rock pile in the distance. Fighting the rushing water like a salmon going upstream, he climbs the rock pile towards the daylight. Sam says to himself, Rain. Climbing through the rocks into a familiar tunnel, he hears the jet skis roaring towards him. He goes back underwater. Lenny and Shooter still on the jet skis as the water closes in on the Shooter as he chases Lenny. He reaches out to grab her, a spear still in his arm. As they approach the fork in the tunnel, Sam stands up in the middle of the tunnel. Lenny veers toward him. The shooter follows, but when he sees Sam pointing a spear gun, he veers down the other fork. As the water chases him and hits him from behind, the shooter is carried out the hole in the cave and he drops the 2,000 feet to the jungle floor as a massive waterfall trails him into the ground. Upon impact, the jet ski explodes, illuminating the waterfall with a fireball. Lenny is carried further down a safer tunnel and up a gentle incline where the water calms. She is safe. She falls from the jet ski, exhausted. Sam swims to Lenny and brushes her hair from her face. Sam says, Lenny? Lenny? Lenny says, Sam? Sam says, You're okay. You're okay. It's okay. In another part of the cave, Oscar and Tanzig stand at the base of a large rock wall. It's a long, steep climb to the sunlight far above. Oscar has the case that holds Diablo Grande. Tanzig says, You gonna haul that thing all the way up? Oscar says, Wouldn't you? Looking at Tanzik, he says, I guess not. Tanzic says, I'm going for Sam. He goes back in the water. Underwater, Sam leads Lenny through a maze of tunnels following the string he's laid. They find the plane. And then they surface. Tanzig is waiting on the beach. Another quake hits. Sam and Lenny react. Tanzig doesn't. Tanzig says, the line is tied to the tail. Sam says, you coming? Tanzig says, right behind you. Sam says to Lenny, no matter what, don't let go of this line. I'll be right behind you. How do we know this will get us out, says Lenny. Go, says Sam. They go back underwater. As they swim underwater through walls of diamonds and surface into yet another chamber, another large quake hits. Sam pushes Lenny through a small hole in the wall just as the hole seals off. They made it. Tanzig tries to get through, but can't. He feels his way along the wall, but then disappears into the dark. Leaning against a rock, Oscar says sarcastically, glad you could make it. Sam says, sorry to keep you waiting. What do we got? A way out, says Oscar. Sam says, where's Tanzig? Oscar says, not here. Another quake hits. We better get out of here. He looks up at the rock wall. That's it? Oscar, looking up. Hard class five. Climbing on wet rock. Sam says sarcastically. Great. Is that all? Oscar says optimistically. I found a rope. Sam, head gesturing to the case. I see that's not all you found. Oscar says. Sam, we're in the insurance business. This is just a little insurance for our future. Sam, looking up at the wall, says, What's it look like? Oscar says, Looks like the tough parts here in the first hundred feet. He holds up the end of a rope. You or me? Sam says, You? Oscar, smiling. I'll do the second pitch. Sam ties the rope around his waist and starts to climb. Hold it, hold it, Oscar says. Take an extra line. We'll put old Diablo Grande here on a separate line so we don't have so much weight to carry. Lenny says, he's good, isn't he? Oscar says, Sam was the best. No fear in that guy. We used to go out and climb a 1,200-foot face. Hard shit, too. It would kick my ass. We'd get back and Sam would have a sandwich, hike six miles, and then climb a 1,000-footer alone. Lenny says, so you guys don't climb anymore? Oscar, patting his gut. Potato chips and beer from me. Loving an evil woman did Sammy in. Lenny says, couldn't be all her. Nah, says Oscar. He's, he's just someone who needs both hands and both feet to hang on. Lenny seems to understand. Sam climbs some scary stuff up and over a couple of overhangs and across some blank faces, all with water streaming down all around him. Oscar calls up, 15 feet. What's it look like? Sam stands on some very small holes just a few feet away from a good ledge. Sam calls down, like a bad dream. He watches the water drip off him, falling hundreds of feet down. He leaps off the small hole and grabs onto a ledge with his fingertips. He pulls himself onto the ledge and collapses. Sam calls down to Oscar. I'm there! Sam pulls up the rope holding the Diablo Grande case. Lenny climbs next. She struggles but makes it. Sam throws the rope down and Oscar climbs up to their ledge. I'll just keep going, says Oscar. Sam says, the angle's a little less. It's going to be hard to get that case through the cracks. Oscar says, we'll make it. As he's climbing up, Sam looks at him and says, you're looking good. Oscar says, experience over ability. Oscar takes the rope tied to the case and ties it to his waist and climbs on. He moves steadily upward. What were you two talking about down there, says Sam. You were just telling me to hang on with both hands, said Lenny. Sam, looking up. Good advice. Oscar makes it to the top. Oscar looks down into the darkness. I'm pulling up the case. The case moves up the wall in a jerking motion as Oscar pulls it up. The case gets stuck in a crack and can't be dislodged. Oscar yells down, What's happening? Sam says, It's hung up. He lets out a little slack and tries to jerk it out of the crack, but it doesn't work. Oscar says, you've got to get it, Sam says. Lenny's coming up. Oscar says, no, I can't handle the weight. I have to get the case up first. Sam climbs up and dislodges the case. Oscar says, stay with it, Sam calling to Lenny. I'll drop you the line when I get to the top. Lenny nods. Oscar pulls up the case as Sam helps it through the cracks. It comes out of the hole, over the lip, and into the sunlight. On the edge of the hole, the sun is bright, and Sam climbs up over the lip out of the hole himself. He unties his rope and looks up and closes his eyes. Ah, feels good. When he opens his eyes, Oscar's holding a gun on him. Sam says, You? Oscar says, Like I said, it's insurance. Sam says, And Travis? Oscar says, Wasn't me. She only hired me to keep tabs on you. With her gone, I had nothing. Sam says, what about tech? Oscar says, happened like I said, he fell. But the the ranger said he was pulled off and that his rope was cut. Sam says, so this is how it goes. Oscar says, I wish it could be another way. Sam says, it can. Oscar says, mm, not according to Walston Rainier in our employment agreement. Sam says, I can help you, Oscar. Oscar says, This is all bigger than you'll ever know. Sam says, You don't have to sell yourself, Oscar. Oscar says, I wasn't a sale, my friend. You paid top dollar. The earth begins to shake. Oscar looks around and Sam makes his play. The two collide in a struggle. Oscar is knocked off his feet. Falling down into the hole, the rope to Diablo Grande is still tied to him, but the case catches on a tree. Inside the cave, Right in front of Lenny, Oscar hits the end of the rope. There's a loud crack as his body snaps in half. At the edge of the hole, the tree comes loose and the case along with Oscar's body drop deep into the Huatla cave. Sam pulls Lenny up to the rim of the opening as a massive earthquake hits and the entire cave system begins to collapse. Sam and Lenny run as the collapsing ground chases them. It abruptly stops as they fall to the ground. It's sunrise in a Mexican hotel room. Sam wears a robe and watches the sunrise out the window. Lenny's still in bed. Sam says, coffee's on its way. Lenny comes over and wraps her arms around him. They kiss. Lenny says, I'd like a cup of coffee, but after this morning, I could use a cigarette. There's a knock on the door. Sam calls out, yeah? Room service, says a voice. Lenny goes into the bathroom. Come on in, says Sam. The waiter enters with a tray. "'Sam, put it over there.' See, sí, senor,' says the waiter. The waiter puts the tray on a small table and hands Sam a newspaper from under his arm. The waiter then goes outside and returns with a case. It looks like the Diablo Grande case. Sam says, "'What's this?' "'Delivery this morning,' says the waiter. Sam goes over to his gear, which includes the spear gun, and he pulls his wallet from a bag. "'Nueva York Times, senor,' Sam tips the waiter. "'Gracias.' "'One more thing.' Room service waiter. See? Sam gives him more money and says, Can you bring a dozen roses? See, si, senor. The waiter nods and leaves. Sam throws the paper on the table. The headline reads Alexander Wells missing. The subtitle reads Commerce Secretary implicated in tampering an extortion scheme. Another article reads Diamond Magnate Walston Rainier moves corporate headquarters to Geneva. Lenny comes out of the bathroom wearing a robe. Is it the coffee here? Among other things, says Sam. Sam opens the case. It's the Diablo Grande diamond. There's a note. Sam opens it. You forgot something. Signed, Tanzig. Is that what I think it is, says Lenny. There's another knock at the door. Sam looks surprised. They forget something? Come in. Anthony enters. Even after all that's happened, you're still a trusting soul, Sam Candle. Sam says sarcastically. Anthony, Carlo throwing you a bone and let you out of the yard? Anthony says, Sam? Then he notices Lenny. Hello, sis. You cheating on me? Fuck you, says Lenny. Sam looks at Lenny. You're here for Carlo? No, says Lenny. Anthony says, Carlo's dead. Lenny reacts. Anthony continues. Now why don't we show Mr. Candle how we used to do it? Sam looks at Lenny as tears stream down her face. I'm gonna kill you. You rape me, you fucking animal. Anthony says, you shouldn't talk to me that way. We, we shared so many intimate moments. I should shoot you like I shot your old man, says Anthony. He treated you like a son, said Lenny. Anthony says, a real father would have given me his business. not made me take it from him. Sam says, what do you want? Money? Anthony says, money? Fuck money. I got all the money I need. I want what I deserve. What's mine. The power. That's what I want. This little runaway bitch can stand in my way, but only if she stays alive. But she's not. He pulls a gun, but there's another knock on the door. Anthony looks to the door and says, go away. Anthony turns back, but now Lenny's pointing Sam's spear gun. He smiles at her. She shoots him in the chest. Shocked, his gun falls to the side and he drops to the floor. At a small Mexican airport, Lenny's plane rests on the runway. Inside the plane, Sam and Lenny are checking the instruments. Lenny says, Where to? Sam says, You like the mountains? Lenny says, Love them. She starts the plane. Outside at that small Mexican airport, the plane taxied down the runway and slowly lifted off. Thank you for listening to Devil's Domain. I hope you'll subscribe to the High Adventure Podcast and check back soon for our next multi-part story and another episode of Trip Report. We'll see you at the summit.